today on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. In your day at Indy, we have our friend Mike Hull, Managing Director of Chip Ganassi Racing. Did okay last weekend, Mike. A little, uh, little front row effort there by Mr. Scott Dixon and your Swedish duo as well. I'd say gave a pretty good representation of themselves. Say thank you quickly here, Mike, to the Justice Brothers celebrating 75 years at the Indy 500, Cooper Tires, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets USA. Let's talk about how your Wednesday through Sunday went, Mike. You even threw oh. in with Dixie a little crash just to get that out of the way before the race. So I thought that was that was a masterful piece of strategy on your part. Uh, well, let me let me get an indirect plug for two of those three sponsors first. Uh, I was born in Bell, California, named after the plant, I think, or the plant was named after the city. And uh, then secondly, uh, I really enjoy what Ed Justice Jr. does with uh, all the stuff he does on Instagram. I think it's awesome. The, uh, uh, the qualifying weekend was uh, when you have a good car, it's fun. <laughs> when you have a race car that could turn itself into a qualifying car, it makes your life so much easier and certainly less stressful. Uh, we did three, uh, qualifying, uh, runs with Dixon, um, one each with, uh, Felix and, uh, and Marcus, all three cars were, were very, very good race cars and they turned themselves into quality, uh, uh, qualifying cars. Uh, so all in all, I thought it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good test for us. Curious Mike about the multiple runs for Scott getting him ready uh, during the qualifying weekend rather different from what I recall with Scott often seems to be a bit of a we'll go obviously do our best and if it's there thereabouts we'll probably leave it as is it's a little bit surprised to see multiple runs by Scott on Saturday and I know I've had a couple of listeners ask why there weren't more possibly for Felix and such? Um, well, first of all, for Scott, we had a low draw, which we haven't had for a while. So that, that helped us do multiple runs. It, it, it was easier. The second reason it was easier to do multiple runs is because we, there was nobody that ever utilized the left lane. The, uh, we, we call it the rock and roll lane, uh, where you have to put paperwork down and withdraw your time. So the right lane is open all day after qualifying is completed or, after the first phase of it is completed. Uh, so we just uh, rocked up to the, to the uh, easy listening lane and uh, <laughs> did two more runs during the day. Uh, and the reason we did that was we, were in the, we, were, we thought we were pretty solid for the top nine. We kind of guarded against what we thought might happen later in the day, which never happened. Nobody, no made it, nobody really made a run at those top, top nine spots from the left lane or the right lane. So what we did is we thought we were only going to get one more run. We didn't think we were going to get two because we thought there would be a massive stack up at the end of the day, which never happened. Uh, so what, what we try to do in a, in a situation like that when you have a good qualifying car as to one that, that's sketchy at best is uh, we, we try to do a compare uh, the, the, the second run was a compare to the first, but it had kind of a different combination of items on it to understand truly drag reduction by a small amount. Uh, and then we, w- we would compare those two runs to get ready for Sunday. 
and we were lucky enough to do a third one. So that gave us three compares. Uh, so that's what we did with them. Felix and Marcus were both satisfied with their runs, satisfied with their cars, and satisfied with where they thought they would qualify. And I think they, they ended up, one of them ended up one spot back further than what, what they thought they would. Um, so they were satisfied with that, and they worked on their cars to get ready for the Sunday uh, all-skate. Took some heat I saw on social media, the world's finest instant form of justice. As we well know, Mr. Hall, for uh, trying to ruin some other teams' opportunities to get in a final fast uh, qualifying attempt on Saturday with Scott Dixon going out. Can you please finally admit that this was indeed a dastardly plan that you enacted to damage <laughs> I everyone wish we were that, I, I wish we were that clever. Uh, you know, we went on the racetrack with one minute to go. Uh, so it certainly was, that was not in the plan. We weren't planning to clog the line. If the line would have been clogged, I think that Andretti would have, they, they brought all their cars back out to the pit lane and with the, with, and, uh, they could have run down there and clogged the line too, but they didn't. Uh, so we were doing what I said at the beginning here. We were just trying to understand how to, how to compare drag items. And, uh, we didn't plan on being on the racetrack with one minute to go. It just worked out that way. Uh, I wish we were dastardly people, but we really aren't. (laughs) So, uh, uh, you can, you can, all those, you know, I got hit a bit on social media about that afterwards. There are some people that accused us of being malicious, which that was certainly never the intent. Again, this just seems like one of those things where we had many, many, many hours for people to go out and run and yeah, uh, somehow going out in the last minute, you managed to, that was the real plan you had all day whole. So I'm glad we've exposed well, I that think, here. Uh, the, the plan was really to be ready for Sunday. And even though the track conditions were different, you can still, you know, we have the ability, uh, the scientific ability to be able to compare all of that to track condition with wind and track temperature and so on, uh, from day to day, which we do from day to day. It's never the same two days in a row. And, uh, five degrees of track temp or 10 degrees of track temp make a huge difference on how much downforce you can run. So you take that into account and, uh, uh, and then on Sunday for the top nine qualifying, when you have the wind that you had, the gusting that you have, when the driver drives it down into the first corner, as he, as the driver turns, the wind shoves the back end of the car around. Uh, it becomes like Mr. Toad's wild ride for a bit of time there. And then when you get to the short shoot where, where it opens between the grandstands, it shoves it, 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 it's loose going in and pushes or shoves the car up to the fence through there. So that's a little difficult. Um, at 230 mile an hour. Uh, so the three runs we did on Saturday probably helped us be uh, certainly locked onto the front row for Sunday. Uh, but I, we thought we needed those runs in order to be able to be ready for Sunday and, and, uh, it worked out. So we have a couple of days of downtime here, Mike, for those who don't know what goes on, share with folks, what the team is doing, what your drivers are doing or aren't doing, and even what you're doing. I mean, this is a, it's a little bit of a different year too, cause we didn't have that Monday practice. So there's even more time of downtime between qualifying and carb day. Yeah, well, we don't go to the beach. Um, the, uh, 
the guys the guys that work on the cars uh, with their hands on the cars are, are um, taking the cars completely apart, getting them ready for Friday because we have a practice on Friday called Carb Day. Um, so they're getting the car the cars ready for that. But what we run on Friday is what we would run on Sunday in the race. So fresh components, uh, a fresh engine, uh, rebuilt transmission or a replaced transmission depending on the team. Uh, all the uprights, all four uprights would be freshened or new or different. Radiators the same. So all new new components uh, that have probably we we typically run the what we do as a team is we typically run those in on the first day and then make sure they're okay and take them off the car for the rest of the week and now they go back on that's how we do it um and i think a lot of teams do it that way these days just to make sure everything's okay um and uh they'll be ready for friday uh the guys will they'll practice pit stops a bit uh statically during the week also um and the engineers are working on uh, what they what they anticipate seeing, they're they're looking pretty hard at uh, what they think will be track temp, weather condition, and so on for both Friday and Sunday. So they work hard in those areas. Uh, for me personally, I'm engaged with all of those groups, but I'm also doing the things that I would do during a normal week, which are uh, the things that racing guys like me dislike the most, which are administrative things. Uh, but we work really, really hard off the, on that. And I've been on two calls today about extreme E actually. Uh, so I've been spent, we spent, we spent a fair amount of time working on that and getting ready for that series and the car delivery and our first run in that car and so on. So I bounced back and forth a bit. We even got a use of hashtag me personally out of you, Mike. So this is a great episode here. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's close on a topic that it's strange. It's going to be strange until it gets rectified. The driver you've worked with forever, Scott Dixon, we know how many championships he has in the season-long contest. One Indy 500 win, though, and that just will always feel strange until he has a second or third or more. There aren't many drivers that come to mind where I think uh, many of us in the industry say, yeah, that guy deserves more. He's put in the work. He's been close many times. There's, there should be more Indy 500 winners rings around his fingers. This is a month where it feels like it's been a little while that folks are thinking, yeah, this might be Scott Dixon's year. And he has certainly put up the performance. The entire team has put up the performance to give folks a reason to look at Sunday as maybe an opportunity for a, a great opportunity for Dixie to get number two, not asking you to predict the future, but maybe you could just share with us the feeling within the team about how things are going for the number nine Honda this year. Uh, and if some of those external thoughts that we have that boy, Dixie looks like he's going to be hard to beat. If any of that is being felt inside the team. Um, wow. Uh, we have a good race car this year. And as I said earlier in this uh, podcast, uh, we had a, a car that turned itself into a good qualifying car. When you can do both, I think it's a it's a step above some of the other years that we we've run at Indy with Scott. Um, I mean, we have a, a good solid feel about the car, but so much of Indianapolis is what uh, has been said. Uh, somebody somebody years ago said it, and uh, recently another re, uh, driver re, re, reset it. You know, Indy in, the Indy 500 chooses you; you don't choose it, and uh, uh, 
we have a good, really good race car. Uh, we hope that in the race itself, we're in the right position at the right time. Uh, the race has become somewhat processional, but yet it's it's still a hard race. Uh, so being at the front and qualifying is an advantage. Uh, the, the first couple of rows the last few years have proven that. I don't know what the percentage is, uh, but we're happy where we qualified. We're happy we, with a, we have a car that pulls up well. We, we, we have a car that works well in traffic. Uh, and we have a car that works well with the tuning, with the tuning items that we have. Um, so, uh, I, I don't think overconfidence is what you ever have at the Indy 500. That's for sure. Um, you have confidence in your driver and confidence in your team members and conf- a confidence in the people that go over the wall and, uh, and certainly confidence in, in, uh, the engineering group. But I, I don't think overconfidence is what, <laughs> what you ever have. Thank you, as always, for the insights, Mike. We'll probably lean on you here towards the end of the week to get a better idea how Carb Day went, thoughts on strategy, strategery and such. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to get the 104th Indy 500 finally going. So looking yeah, forward. I, I, you know, I would just applaud the, uh, what uh, uh, Mr. Penske has done uh, to get us to this point uh, with the IndyCar season. And certainly the Indy 500, uh, without his initiative, uh, I think things would be very different. Um, and uh, it's evident that uh, of what the Indy 500 has meant to him uh, from the very first time he ever entered the, entered the facility, that, that certainly as an entrant. And uh, um, we really owe something, uh, owe a debt of gratitude to him for what it means to him and how he, how he, expresses it and uh what he spent and uh in time and money both and resource uh in order for us to be able to race this year so um we see it from the inside and i'm sure people will some you know people see a lot of it from the outside um but uh we certainly are living it (laughs) well speaking (laughs) of from the outside i saw a photo posted by you your spotter robbie fast with uh folks and heavy equipment Machinery outside, <laughs> offloading the tall, whatever you call them, the the lift, the lifts, yeah, yeah the lifts for fans. While you're not allowed inside, <laughs> uh, you gotta love race fans who're like, well, okay, we not might not be able to sit in your seats, but uh, yeah. we just rented a lift for the next however many days, and we're gonna be yeah. 40, 50 cool. feet in the air looking over the grandstand. So, well, we. In the sports car days at uh, Sebring, when we were racing there, we would rent one of those lifts. And Robbie would be up on top of one of those lifts. We shared it with Penske Racing. Uh, so uh, we have a lot in common with them, obviously. Um, and one year, uh, all of a sudden, during in the middle of the race, it started going down. And they had the controls, and they somebody had disabled the controls. And they looked down, you know, 50 feet below them. And there's five, uh, I think it's Hillsborough County, is it? I can't remember what the county there is, and that's no, not Hillsborough, whatever it is there in Sebring. Five sheriffs down there at the bottom, <laughs> uh, bringing the lift down because uh, they said you can't be up there. <laughs> so there was a big tug of war between the sheriff department and uh, IMSA and the racetrack about spotters at Sebring. I think they finally organized it, but Robbie knows well what those lifts 
two and how high in the air you can be, and also how the wind affects them. <laughs> and if it's windy on Sunday and I'm a spectator, that's a dedicated spectator, <laughs> let me tell you. Oh, the Speedway Indiana Sheriff's probably going to be busy uh, working the old controls, but hopefully some fans <laughs> get to enjoy, uh, yeah, get to enjoy themselves some Indy 500. Mr. Hull, yeah. thank you as always for taking some time. And, oh, you're uh, welcome. We'll once again say thank yeah. you to the Justice Brothers, yeah. Cooper Tires, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets USA. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Actually, we've got your two Swedes tomorrow on the uh, oh, day good. at Indy. Good. And then I think All we're right. going to have Jerry Hildebrand coming up soon after that. And yada, yada, yada. We're going to do some more good stuff. So we'll speak with you all soon.